hand. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Not a good time for a coffee <laughs> figures, yeah. huh? Oh well. Hey just, everyone. Uh, I hope I'm you're okay. <laughs> Went down the wrong way. Hey everyone, yeah. welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, <laughs> Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, back by popular demand, we have Dr. Soham Patel. He is a plant-based endocrinologist, and today he's going to be talking about type 2 diabetes and reversal accelerator system, which is a complete mind-body system to reverse type 2 diabetes. Please welcome him back to the show. It's so nice to see you again. Thank you, Chef AJ, and I'm uh, sorry, viewers, uh, for my coughing uh, to start <laughs> off. Uh, That's I just had okay. A sip of water and it went the wrong way. So, <gasps> well, thank gosh you're okay. Thank you. So, um, thank you to be back. And um, so, uh, I'm Dr. Son Patel, as Chef AJ introduced. I'm an endocrinologist and lifestyle medicine physician, and I'm here to talk about uh, this uh, uh, system um, that focuses on complete reversal for type 2 diabetes. So just improving sugars is, is just one part of it, but we want the whole, uh, you know, uh, reversal of type 2 diabetes and want to keep it like that for the rest of your life. So that's, um, that's let's delve in. Oh, your slides went away. Yes. Uh... I'm going to share again here. There you go. Perfect. All right. So, you know, I, I see this as a recurring theme. Um, there are so many moving parts to diabetes. And so it almost feels like a rubric, right? There are so many colors of those, you know, squares on the rubric. And um, the challenge is to get everything aligned so that you get the result you're looking for. So uh, it's it's complex, but there is a way we can get the rubric to be solved. So two things I want to focus from the start. You know, we are not talking about just dabbling. Uh, you know, into this, we are talking about if you're really interested in reversing type two diabetes. And when I say true reversal, I mean where you can eat a piece of fruit and your sugars don't shoot up, right? I'm saying that because there are many people, uh, you know, and again, a lot of information out there where people talk about keto dieting and sugars are staying flat, but they're staying flat at the expense of you not eating any uh, amount of, a significant amount of carbohydrates. Um, and again, I've seen over and over, even while people are doing keto dieting, their sugar starts to go up. But if you eat something that is all still complex carbohydrates uh, and sugar goes up while you're doing keto, that is not true reversal. So that's why I want to emphasize true reversal. If you're defining or having diabetes defined partly as uh, resistance or you know intolerance to eating um, you know carbohydrate-rich foods, which is only the partial definition of diabetes. Diabetes is happening because of insulin resistance. And that not only impacts carbohydrate metabolism, but also impacts fat and protein metabolism. But let's say we go by the common notion of diabetes means carbohydrates issue. 
then if you mean reversal, you should be able to eat carbohydrates and not get high sugars. So that's what I mean by true reversal of type 2 diabetes. And then secondly, you're truly wanting to take control back of your health. You're not being defined by diabetes, but you're actually defining by who you are and not what diabetes allows you to do. So that's the, the key aspect. Um, like any issue, you know, every scenario can have challenges. Uh, diabetes obviously can have very big challenges. Uh, this list is not, you know, exhaustive by any means, but these are the four most common challenges I find. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, what the heck do I eat? There is so much information uh, on their media and, and, you know, social media, and YouTube and all these other platforms and, and all kinds of information, which becomes very confusing for people to make sense of, you know, what, what, what the heck do I eat? And you do, I do, and, and people always get, uh, you know, all these different fad diets being pushed through. But so that's very confusing. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll share how we can demystify that. Um, how much exercise is enough exercise? And activity is, you know, important for our health, but how much do we need and how can we be, you know, uh, focusing on the right ones that can get us the most effect? Um, good sleep good blood sugar, which one comes first, right? It's a cycle. You get good sleep, you have better sugars, and then it keeps going forward. But if you have bad sleep, you can have higher sugars. Or if you have high sugars, you wake up at night, use the bathroom often, and then you're not going to get good sleep. So it's a, it's a cycle that we need to break. And how do we make these changes in a sustainable manner? It's important to achieve the goal you're trying to look for, but then how do you keep that state steady for the rest of your life? That's what really becomes a challenge many times, especially where people go on crash diets and obviously their health may improve briefly, but then they don't stick with it for whatever reason and then things change. So we want to focus on things that can be sustained. That's the key. So any challenges also brings opportunities like uh, this uh, person standing up, uh, you know, climbing the mountain now and is able to see the, you know, the beautiful uh, vision there with the sun. So we can have a state where we can eat more food and still have better sugars. It's not about calorie counting or portion control. It's about eating the right foods at the right time. You can be active and have fun having it and not feel like you're just spending hours and hours in the gym and not seeing any results. You can get baby sleep again, you know, sleep where it's restorative. You feel better when you wake up, ready to tackle all the challenges that life throws at you. And you can have a lifestyle that transforms you for the rest of your life. This is, again, like I said, we want to sustain this, not go yo-yo. Um, again, disclaimer, uh, so, you know, this is, again, for education purposes only. This is not medical advice in any shape or form. You should always consult with your physician or healthcare provider for uh, individual health decisions and changes when you make lifestyle changes. Uh, and again, this is not diagnosis, treatment, or prognosis of your issues. So I'm sure, you know, for the audience uh, here with Chef AJ, has uh, probably heard about uh, insulin resistance and, you know, how that develops. But this is kind of a little summary of that. So how metabolically insulin resistance comes about, 
you know, the first step is where we have buildup of, uh, you know, excess uh, calorie positive state in our body, but that can easily happen when your food intake exceeds 15% in terms of total fat calories per day. Um, now, if you're eating 6,000 calories, it doesn't matter what, you know, you will still get a positive calorie state. But if you are eating maybe 2,000, 1,800 calories, not that I focus on counting, but just to take an example, but you're having more than 15% of those daily calories coming from fat sources of foods, uh, even in even if they're plant-based sources, uh, you will start seeing a positive energy state in your liver, and it starts interfering with uh, your cells' receptors for insulin. We have receptors for insulin on every cell in the body, and especially in our liver and our muscle cells. So those are two big places where you know most of the insulin is processed. And it allows, it does a bunch of things and it allows your cell to absorb glucose from the bloodstream and utilize it to generate energy. But buildup of that, you know, fat calories exceeding 15% changes things biochemically inside the cell where those receptors don't function anymore. So glucose doesn't enter the cell, it stays out in the bloodstream. Essentially, it's trapped there, and that's where you know we are told to be pre-diabetic or then type two diabetic, and then you put on medications and then insulin, all kinds of things. Another way, again, to look at this uh, is the insulin gum lock model. So imagine uh, insulin is the key, and the receptor is the door lock. Uh, now the insulin goes into the keyhole, but if the door lock, the receptor is gunked up with the chewing gum, meaning extra fat inside the cell, no matter how much you, you know, work with the key, you're not going to be able to unlock that uh, latch and, you know, open the door. And uh, the state of type 2 diabetes is quite scary. So, I mean, it affects the whole body, every organ in the body that has blood flow um, can have an impact uh, from type 2 diabetes. We can have strokes, we can have retinopathy, the back of the eyes, which, you know, where all these neurons and, you know, uh, the uh, tissue is, which helps us see things uh, that can get affected. Your lens can get affected, which can lead to cataract. Pressure in the eyes can go up called glaucoma. Uh, heart disease, very well-known well connection. Diabetes is actually considered a cardiac disease equivalent, meaning it's, you know, if you have diabetes for many years, you do have some degree of heart disease at that point. Uh, disease in your teeth, around your gums. Um, kidneys getting affected. Blood vessels throughout your hands and legs getting affected. Nerves getting affected where you get that, uh, you know, pin, pin break, burning sensation, which is so painful and horrible to go through. You could have damage where you end up getting, you know, um, ulcers, or then if you don't, you know, take care of your health, you can end up losing toes or fingers or even legs, you know, based on how bad that gets. So if we don't treat the root cause, which is insulin resistance, and we just let the can keep, you know, pushing down the road, 
typically what we see all the time is, uh, you know, again, this timeline starts at zero when you're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So there are many years, anywhere from five to 10 years before that, where you are pre-diabetic, you are insulin resistant, and it has not been picked up. So even when we start with you being diagnosed with diabetes, you're roughly spending $600 and a very conservative estimates per year for just your supplies and maybe metformin. And then, you know, five years uh, down the line, you may have more need for medications. Now you're spending $1,200 to $2,400 a year. And then once a day insulin or once a week GLP shot, now you're spending even more. And then insulin or insulin pump or being on insulin four times a day. And then you may be looking at dialysis 20 plus, 30 plus years down the line. So the progression, you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars, um, you know, down the drain when health not getting better. It would be one thing to spend this money and be healthy and better, but completely different where you're spending all this money and you're still getting worse and worse. This is a case study now, obviously the picture there is not the, the uh, real picture, it's a stock photo uh, of a patient of mine, uh, you know, reflective of a patient of mine. Um, but John, um, he, had, uh, he, he has, um, you know, three um, teenage children, a loving husband and, um, you know, a, a very busy professional and also involved in his community has been diabetic for 25 plus years and was taking 200 units of insulin per day. This is not per week, this is per day and multiple other medications. I started my uh, type two diabetes reversal accelerator system and within six weeks, he had stopped all his insulin because the sugars were that better. And in six months, he had lost 100 pounds and two years later, he's still off of all insulin. So again, the key word here is how to have a system that you can sustain, that can unshackle you from the restrictions and all the things that type two diabetes can do to you down the line. And that's the type two diabetes reversal accelerator. Accelerator because we're not only interested in working on reversing insulin resistance, but we also focused on doing it as quickly and effectively as possible. So as you may know, obviously uh, nutrition is a huge pillar uh, of, of the system, uh, you know, for anything related to health and in particular type of diabetes, nutrition is the key, but that's not the only aspect. So stopping the crap. We don't need crap. We don't need carbonated drinks. We don't need refined sugars. We don't need artificial foods which are completely devoid of real food that are replaced with chemicals or foods that are highly processed. So, you know, looking at uh, a French fry is different than looking at a baked sweet potato or, you know, artificial foods where they have, you know, months and months of shelf life where you know they don't turn bad and that's because they're pumped with all these chemicals they don't have any fiber left and they are loaded with fat and sugar refined sugars and all these carbonated drinks uh, and one word of caution here is artificial sweeteners and again more and more data is piling up but artificial sweeteners are the worst thing to happen 
um, for us. And anything that says diet or sugar-free or zero calories, you want to turn around and start running as fast as possible from that. I always say zero calories does not mean zero harm. So please, please, please stop the crap and stop adding toxic foods to your body because that's literally affecting you on a daily basis. Um, this is just one of the many, many studies, hundreds, thousands of studies that have shown that eating a whole food plant-based way of eating uh, is uh, supportive in not only type 2 diabetes, uh, you hear this study shows 34% risk reduction, but there are many studies which have also shown, uh, you know, reversal and improvements in type 2 diabetes within weeks and days of, uh, you know, following a whole food plant-based way of eating. What is whole food plant-based way of eating? This is a, a, a slide from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which I'm a, a diplomat of. And uh, the plate, as you see here, there are four parts to it, uh, but the key thing is fiber and nutrients. We need both, fiber and nutrients. When I say nutrients, I mean vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, so you can see half of the plate is filled with fruits and vegetables. There are whole grains that are you know, not highly processed or refined. Um, and there are lots of beans and lentils. Now, we think of proteins as only source of beans, you know, only from beans and lentils, but there are proteins found in every food that nature provides. Vegetables also have protein. Uh, whole grains also have protein. Even fruits have protein in them. Small amount, but there is protein in all food you eat. So there is no dearth of protein. The key is to eat a variety of colors and eat enough quantity that is rich in fiber and nutrients. And everything else starts falling in place step by step. Herbs and spices have a tremendous benefit for our health. So adding different herbs and spices can also improve the you know, benefit of eating whole food plant-based and you know, getting enough, enough amounts of water uh, through the day. Another way to look at it is again, how much of each different colors are we getting? In general, eight out of 10 Americans don't get enough uh, colors in their daily meals. So when you go for shopping uh, every you know, weekend or whenever you go shopping, make sure you pick something red, something you know, maroon or, or you know, blue or black or green yellow, orange, white, pick the rainbow, uh, you know, in, in your card when you shop. So that's what you will end up eating through the week. Each color is a different pigment that has a different type of protective property for our body, made the, you know, your heart, you know, lowering risk of diabetes, good for your gut, good for your liver, good for your kidneys, good for your immune system, cancer protection, many different things. Another way to look at, uh, you know, why the focus on whole food plant-based nutrition, I think this slide does a phenomenal job. This is a slide from Forks Over Knives, the popular documentary. Um, as you can see, there are four, you know, five stomachs there. Each has 500 calories, but depending on what you put in, in you know, in each of those cases, uh, you can either fill up the stomach completely with fruits and vegetables or almost 80% with rice, uh, potato and beans. 
but with meat, cheese, and oil, that keeps going down and down to maybe only 10% with 500 calories worth of oil. So you can see that, you know, less volume as you don't get much fiber. Our body responds and our satiety mechanisms respond to expansion of the stomach, not just calories. So having more volume in the stomach allows us to be full. And also that fiber allows the food to be broken down in a slow, steady manner so that your system is not overwhelmed. Your body needs minimal amount of insulin to process that. And your sugars are a lot more streamlined and steady. You get to eat more, feel full, and get better sugars. So no calorie counting and no portion control because the food automatically portion control it for you. So the cardinal question again that you ask in terms of nutrition is, does this food have fiber in it or not? If it doesn't have fiber, you avoid it. If it has fiber, you eat it. So pillar number two, how do we sensitize the insulin effect faster? And there are four different aspects here. Um, many vitamins that are claimed to help diabetes and insulin but if you look at the data, I think these two are, are the most important. Um, others that are claimed out there may have some benefit, but you know we don't want to be on a bucket list of supplements and not focus on the right food. So with the right foods, adding these two vitamins uh, can really accelerate your efforts to sensitize your body's response to insulin. That's vitamin D, number one because you need vitamin D in many different aspects of your health, your brain function, your immune system, your bones, your muscles, your thyroid signaling, and also in your insulin signaling in the body. So we need that. And yes, sunlight gives us that, but many reasons we don't get enough. And so you need a vitamin D you know, a supplement along with vitamin K. Now, if you are eating two cups of dark leafy greens every day, you probably don't need the vitamin K, but most people are not getting that on a daily basis. So that's why the vitamin K with the D, because it improves the absorption of vitamin D. And second and thirdly, it also reduces any buildup of calcium that can happen in the arteries and the kidneys. Uh, if you just take vitamin D, that can happen. But if you have combining it with vitamin K, it doesn't happen. And that vitamin K also pushes the calcium into the bones where, where we need it. So it has multiple impacts to have the combination. Um, fasting, it's almost like a meditative practice because it allows your mind to get more control as well. But, and there are many ways to do fast. I can probably talk more than an hour just on fasting, but briefly speaking, our liver is the main organ that processes food and metabolizes food. And it also has the responsibility to uh, you know, clear uh, our body of any toxins and work as a body's detox organ as well. So allowing your body to not have any food uh, every day allows your liver to do the detoxification that has to happen every night. It's like, the garbage truck misses your house for a week, you can probably handle that. But if the garbage truck misses your house for a month, you are in problem. And if your garbage truck misses your house for six months, 
you are in deep problem. So it's important likewise for your liver to be able to do that daily process of detoxification every night when you sleep. And if you eat food later at night, your liver has to put that on the back burner and it cannot do the detoxification. So intermittent fasting is where you at least have 12 hours of no food overnight. Again, there are many different ways and nuances to that. But the key thing to understand is that you allow your liver at a minimum of 12 hours of break um, at night where it can do the detoxification. Next in line and very important is sleep. And it's so important that it can single-handedly, if your sleep routine is messed up, which in our modern lifestyle is a very common scenario, you can single-handedly undo the benefits of eating whole food plant-based. And I've seen it many times and it, you know, patients feel frustrated because they're eating so well and they're not seeing any improvements. That's because their sleep is completely messed up. Again, that's where we detox, that's where we balance off our hormone levels. Insulin and cortisol hormone levels should be going down in the first half of life, uh, first half of the sleep. Um, and then they gradually go up in the second half of the sleep early in the morning. That's how normal physiology works. But when your sleep is messed up, or you're not going to sleep at a decent time, uh, or the quality of your sleep is, is not the best, you do not get the right hormone uh, you know, levels, uh, and that leads to your sugars being high throughout the night. You will also be seeing more weight gain. And like I said, it, it creates more angst and frustration because you're doing everything right with your food, but your sleep is literally single-handedly undoing that. It's not about the hours of sleep. Uh, to some extent it is, but what I mean to say is the quality of the sleep is more important than the quantity of the sleep. So you could sleep seven hours, but if you sleep seven hours of crappy sleep, tossing and turning is not the same quality as getting seven hours of deep relaxing sleep. So quality of sleep is important than quantity of sleep. Focus on the quality. Activity, exercise or activity, right? You hear these words and I also find where people focus more on exercise as a means to improve their health, which is great. I'm not at all you know, disparaging exercise by any means. Exercise is great, has benefits for the whole body. But the point I'm trying to make is if you single pointedly focus on exercise to undo your food choices or not focus on your sleep quality and just rely on being more active and spending an hour in the gym, you will not see the results. And again, I see that all the time, which again leads to more frustration because you're working uh, quite a bit in your you know, exercise in terms of gym or whatever sport you may be playing. You're making an effort and you're not seeing the results. On the opposite side, there are ways you can be active and not necessarily spend an hour in the gym every day and still get better results. So the key word here is to be active. And yes, if you love to exercise, do it by all means but always combine that you know, with the right foods and working on the, on the right sleep patterns and sleep hygiene. Uh, pillar number three. So we talked about nutrition. We talked about all the things that can improve insulin sensitivity, which are the four things. And then pillar number three is a separate pillar, 
uh, which is stress. Uh, you know, again, modern lifestyle, we are we are bombarded with different things that we have to do through the day. And many times we feel like we are on a hamster wheel, constantly going at full speed and not having any stop inside. But stress, again, can lead to high cortisol levels that stay high chronically, and that can also make your body more and more insulin resistant, which leads to higher sugars, more weight gain, and all kinds of other health problems. So addressing stress, like I mentioned with sleep, stress can also single-handedly undo the benefits you could get from eating better and being active. So working on mitigating your day-to-day -day stresses. And, and I'm not saying that you're going to go live in a cave. We have to be in our current society, but we have to design systems that can allow us to go through those day-to-day -day experiences without feeling constantly under stress. Something as very simple as doing deep breathing in and out, a couple of minutes at a time, multiple times through the day. But you take a deep breath in, deep breath out, the breathe out should be longer than the breathe in, and that stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. And that allows your body to lower your cortisol levels. So again, there are many ways and modalities to you know, uh, address your stress, but something as simple as deep breathing that doesn't cost you anything. The key is that you have to do it consistently multiple times throughout the day for you to get the benefit. And it does happen, but again, the operative word is you have to do it. And so don't lose sight of your day-to-day -day stressors. Uh, I have seen scenarios over and over again where just stress can shoot some of our sugars up by 100, 150 points. This is a real scenario I'm talking, uh, which was very drastic, so I remember it. Um, I, had a, I had a patient uh, who had a special needs child and was chronically stressed. And the patient is sitting with me in the office. We had measured sugar before uh, starting the visit. It was 120. And the patient starts talking about uh, her kid. And um, obviously, her stress level starts shooting up. And she said that, you know, my sugars go up very quickly. And so to, to see how, how high they go, we check sugars again in 15 minutes later. And the sugar had shot up to 250 in just a matter of 10, 15 minutes. So it is happening all the time. We need to address our stress on a day-to-day -day basis. The last pillar uh, may seem a smaller one or simple one, but it's actually the glue that can bind this whole system together. And that's why. You see this person standing on top of that hill but the question you're asking is, okay, why did he take the efforts to climb up all the way on top of that hill? And that's the same thing that we have to do for ourselves. Why? Why do we need to do this? Not because I'm saying it or someone else is saying it. What's your core reason of making this sustainable lifestyle changes? Because that's the motivation that keeps you going, even on a day that you feel like not doing anything. And that why, if you have a strong why, it keeps replenishing your motivation and which aids your willpower. Because willpower is limited. And we use that every day, multiple times, making different decisions. So it needs to be replenished 
and it can be replenished if we have a perennial source of motivation and that perennial source of motivation can come from a very strong why. Why the heck do you want to make these changes? The stronger the why, the better it is. And I'll exemplify what I mean by that. Why this why, finding this why is so much more important. Roger Bannister, um, for people who run or you know have knowledge of you know history of marathoners or runners or sprinters, I may know this, but um, the cutoff on you know the or the record of uh, you know time record of uh, running a mile before Rogers Bannister ran a mile under four minutes was over four minutes. So no one you know had broken that record, but after Roger Bannister broke that record of running a mile under four minutes. I believe, uh, if I, I know, uh, if I read correctly, 90 plus people in that following year, bro you know, broke that four minute mile record again in different levels. So nothing changed, you know, people had the same abilities before and they had the same ability after, but psychologically, mentally, they now knew that a human being had broken that ceiling of four minutes and they can do it too. So what you decide, can have a big impact even in the same situation and can lead to a completely different outcome. Another quite drastic example, this is actually a clipping from a, a newspaper of a, of a mother in, in Georgia who literally lifted a big car, thousands of pound weighing car with her bare hands because her son was stuck under that car and no one else was there to help. So she had a strong, wrong, strong why that even a feat that we would think is not humanly possible, she achieved that because her why was unsurmountable. She had to help her son and she had to live that car. So your why can actually keep you motivated and keep you going in this journey of health transformation. So again, so the four pillars, you know, we start with nutrition. Then we have the insulin sensitizers, which is, you know, good good sleep, um, uh, activity, vitamin D with vitamin K, fasting. And then you have stress management as a separate category. It still helps insulin sensitizing way, but I kept it separately because it, it has a huge impact. It can single-handedly undo many things. And then the biggest thing is your why. Like I just showed the examples, your why can literally make or break things. So having this four together is a key thing. Now, does this make sense, right? You know, that we have a complete system that works from your mind, your mindset to the body and round back to completely help reverse and improve your health. But can be challenging. So, you know, Whole food plant-based lifestyle. And again, your audience, uh, you know, Chef AJ's audience here uh, probably has an advantage with all the, all the things he has shared over the years. But it's still something for someone who is new to whole food plant-based eating. It can be quite, uh, you know, challenging and quite a bigger change for them because that's completely new to them and can be stressful. Um, how to work on better sleep routine, you know. You're, you're doing things over and over again and you feel like, how can I change that routine? How can I work on improving my sleep? And 
again, the key thing is to start making changes. It's not like you have to achieve perfection, but you start working in that direction. Um, how to, you know, be active in a busy lifestyle. Uh, and, you know, have a million other things to do and enjoy doing it. And how to find that why that can stick for the rest of your life. So again, with problems comes opportunities. So my type 2 diabetes reversal accelerator, um, where I'm doing a live immersion workshop on this July 29th, which is a Saturday, from 9 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern, or if it goes over a little, a little bit, that's fine too. But it's going to be about a five-hour deep dive immersion on, again, going deeper into the four pillars of type 2 diabetes reversal and how you can create a system and a blueprint that works for you that can help you make health changes and take back control faster. Again, the four aspects, how to design Again, I'm not, you know, telling you eat this morning, you know, evening lunch, uh, lunch dinner. I'm giving you a system that allows you to be able to make choices and be able to enjoy that. Um, so not just feel like you're being given a meal plan, but you're giving an under, you're given an understanding and comprehension of how to design things that are quick, healthy, and easy that you don't lose, you know, your sleepover. So how you can eat whole food plant-based and, and you know can sustain that. Work on all those four aspects about fasting, sleep optimization, vitamin D, vitamin K, how much levels to you know low dosage to take. Uh, all those in more detail, I break it down into actionable steps. How to have different things you can work on in addressing your day-to-day -day stressors. Again, tips that I've you know refined and learned from uh, years of experience. And then figuring out your why. We are not just talking about the why, but we are actually figuring out the why in the in the mastermind, in the workshop. You when you finish that, you have the whole system in place. Confession: uh, This is not if you're looking for an overnight fix. And if you expect your health to change without making any changes, that's not going to happen either. And if you are going to not be open to learning and keep an open mindset, that is also not going to help you either. But if you're ready to take action, I actually have more bonuses on this. We'll be doing hot seat coaching. So I'll be having two or three participants in the live, uh, you know, mastermind will, will, you know, probably put them in the hot seat and um, I'll quiz them on what their challenges are with type 2 diabetes. And then, you know, suggest some uh, real-time changes and strategies that can be worked upon. Now, it's not only a learning experience for the person who is in the hot seat, but also for everybody in the audience because, uh, you know, we we have same situations in our lives too. So you, you, everybody learns. It's it's an interactive process. There's a lot of uh, you know stress and uh, you know um, anxiety about okay, I'm doing whole food plant-based nutrition. Uh, what about my family? What about my friends? How do I socialize? You know, how do I maintain this? And again, I've gathered tips and you know uh, tricks over the years on how we can do that without losing your sleep or making everybody else around you stressfully, you know, as well. So that's that. And again, how to track your health metrics 
and also know when to reach out to your uh, healthcare provider, physician, you know, because you need to be making, you know, medication changes as you make lifestyle changes. So we want to do it in a safe manner. We don't want to make changes and then get low blood sugars or low, you know, uh, blood pressure and end and, up and passing out that can lead to a lot more of the problems. We want to do it in a safe manner. So understanding how to track the metrics and which things to watch for, the way you need to reach out sooner than later with your physician. Um, and that having that data can actually allow your physician or provider uh, to you know, help you de-prescribe de more, more uh, efficiently. Um, group coaching. So you'll get a lot of you know, immersion experience in, this, in the five-hour workshop, but then we'll be having a 60-minute group coaching call, question-answer format, on a weekly basis on Fridays, uh, six weeks, you know, each six uh, coaching calls for six weeks after the uh, July 29th uh, mastermind. Um, some of the uh, cases that I, you know, uh, have worked with uh, clients, um, this uh, gentleman, again, and the pictures you see are stock photos, they're not actual pictures, but Kevin, uh, he's actually a physician and he's had diabetes for many years. Uh, he's been a physician for, for 20 plus years, but still was on multiple medications and just conventional approach, more and more things being put on. And after adopting my system, he went from an A1C of 10%, where it means sugars are running in the two and three hundreds, down to 6.5 in just four months and cut down from four medications to one. Um, Paula, again, you know, she had had diabetes for almost close to a decade. Even she was not budging below 8%. Uh, within, uh, in a short time, even she comes down to 5.8 and able to lose 15 pounds, cut back on medications and feel more energetic. That was the biggest thing for her is just feeling down all the time. Bharat, uh, he's a 60 young uh, professional, a very busy professional. He actually deals with multi-million dollar projects uh, in his company. So his, his, his bosses rely on him and he was finding himself getting less efficient in his work and feeling more tired and having more and more medications put on uh, again within, uh, you know, um, uh, with the change of, uh, with the program, he, he came off uh, most his medications and his performance has work improved. He felt better overall. So it's, uh, it's a system. Uh, I don't think I can really put a value value, but because I've spent thousands and thousands of hours and in, in many years perfecting it. But if I had to put a dollar value, I would say, it's, you know, 7,500 um, hot seat coaching, 500, you know, because we're doing it for an hour, just my hourly rate. Um, friends and family buy-in, um, safe de-escalation, another 500 together. Group coaching, again, we'll be doing hour each, question answers for six weeks. Um, 11,500, but you're not paying that. You will pay under $500 for the whole system. And tell, let me tell you why this is such a good deal. Remember that screen where we looked at how many thousands of dollars you will be spending down the line each year that keeps getting worse and worse. So whether you spend 3000 within five years in a very conservative estimate versus one time under 
$500 that can work on transforming your life and preventing you from spending more, more thousands down the line. For any special action takers, um, I have put a special discount coupon. Um, so it expires tonight at midnight, July 15th. And there's a 10% discount. You'll put the coupon code CHEFAJ10, all capital. And you'll, uh, you'll see the price go down by 10%. And I'll add an additional three month and six month uh, coaching call, six, you know, 60 minute group coaching call uh, along with that. So invest in your health because look of, uh, think of your health five years and 10 years down the line. And if you do not make changes, what will happen to your health and the money you spend and how you feel versus taking action today? This is the link uh, which has the, you know, uh, the course up on that link. So it's https colon forward slash slash Center for Preventive Endocrinology and Nutrition. That's the name of my practice with, with hyphen in between dot mastermind dot com forward slash masterminds forward slash 1372. Um, I believe the link has also been put in the description um, by Chef AJ, uh, but I would again urge you to make a choice for your health. And with that, I end here and we're open for questions. Well, thank you so much. I didn't know you were offering a discount. I will definitely add that to the show notes in just a moment. Uh, it, it expires tonight at midnight. Okay, so, so hopefully people will join soon or if they're watching in the replay, we'll watch yeah. by tonight. I like how you talked about finding the why. That's something that's talked about quite a bit in the plant-based world or any kind of coaching world for anyone that's trying to have health. You know, it's it's not just for diabetes, it's for whether it's weight loss or any kind of disease sure. reversal or prevention. And it's so much important that uh, if you don't dial in that why, I've seen it many times where people make changes and they get better. But then at some point, something happens, you know, life sends us a curveball and, and they go off the track and they're back to square one. And that's what we want to prevent. We want to prevent from yo-yoing and, and being on a steady, consistent, it's going to be up and down. It's not going to be a straight line, but as long as we are working on a progressive journey, that's what the goal is. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about what I talk about a lot, calorie density, that when people understand the correct foods to eat for reversing their diabetes or losing weight or getting healthy, they don't have to worry about measuring how much food they eat. And it actually gets you more freedom. You can eat more food, feel full, and still lose, you know, uh, lose weight and uh, improve your sugars. It's incredible. So there was a few questions in the chat. We also have three questions that were submitted in advance sure. when they that we were having an endocrinologist on, a plant-based endocrinologist. But people are asking about A1C and what is what is a good one? What is a borderline one? Is there a number we should be shooting for? So if you go by the guidelines um, for definition, uh, so hemoglobin A1C, that's the full thing. A fraction of your hemoglobin, the red pigment that is in your our blood, uh, that binds to the glucose. So glycosylated hemoglobin is, is what hemoglobin A1C means. And in short, we call it A1C. That's the common term we use. So it's a percentage of you know, the hemoglobin that's bound to glucose. And that's reflective of your level of glucose in the bloodstream. 
and it looks at your levels over past three months because your hemoglobin stays in your system for three months. It keeps getting more, more, more is made and you know broken down. So it, it changes every three months. So when you say A1C uh, of uh, 5.7 and below, that is considered normal. 5.7 to 6.5, uh, 6.4 is considered pre-diabetes. And 6.5 and above is technically diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Um, those you. are the number cutoffs. But our health doesn't happen in cutoff. Your body is constantly step by step getting worse in terms of insulin resistant. So A1C of 5.6 is not much different than 5.7. So unless your A1C is 5.8 or 5.7, you're not gonna to be told that you're pre-diabetic. But if you've been running 5.5, 5.6, you are actually very close to becoming pre-diabetic. So it's warning signs to take action then so that you never end up in the pre-diabetes neighborhood. Uh, in terms of what is good, what is not good level, you know, again, you, uh, it is individualized based on patient, you know, uh, uh, characteristics and what's going on with their health. But generally speaking, trying to keep your A1C below seven is a good goal if you don't have, you know, like exceptions would be if you have advanced age, and you have heart you know, problems and you know, maybe you had previous strokes, then keeping your A1C between seven to seven and a half percent is a better goal because you don't want to have to have the risk of sugars going low and getting a fall or getting some adverse event in that situation. But these are just guidelines on the control. Our goal or attempt is to actually reverse it. So if you are trying to reverse it, then optimal A1C is less than 5.5 closer to five actually, 5.0, 5.2 is optimal. Wow, thank you. Here's a comment in the chat from Sonia. I have MS and type, type, type two diabetes and it's so hard to sleep and exercise. It's so frustrating. Do you think your class could help her? So yes, um, short answer yes, but I'll spend a little, you know, a few seconds on explaining why. So, Type 2 diabetes and MS, uh, in terms of the nutrition part, whole food plant-based nutrition helps both, right? It's not like you're doing something for diabetes and something else for MS. But as nutrition improves, we also have to work on the other four, uh, uh, you know, other three pillars of the system, which is the sensitizers, your stress management, uh, and your why, and that's where that's where the comprehensive effect and benefit happens. So yes, uh, the system would definitely help. It helps both the things, not just you know. Uh, again, I can't you know I'm not a neurologist, but if you look at uh, Dr. Royce Wang's data, uh, who was a researcher on multiple sclerosis, uh, I believe he's passed now, but he had database spanning almost four decades, looking at patients with multiple sclerosis and what type of food patterns. And he saw that if they ate predominantly plant-based with low fat in their diet, they were able to stabilize their disease or many times reverse some of the plaques in, on the MRI and also not progress in their MS, whereas the, whereas the patients in, in their database who did not follow through ended up having more progressive MS. So there's lots of data supporting plant-based nutrition. Um, 
and you also need your stresses to be down because stress is a silent killer. So the system works for the whole body. Absolutely. Thank you. So Elizabeth's asking about what effect does fruit have on con contacting? I think she might mean contracting diabetes. I'm glad this has been asked because it is the most, one of the most common myths uh, out there on uh, diabetes is, oh, fruit causes diabetes or, or fruits are bad if you have diabetes, which is absolutely not true. Fruits in their wholesome form are protective against diabetes. And, and I'm talking about insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is different. You can still eat fruit if you have type 1 diabetes, but you will need insulin to cover it. Although you will need less insulin to cover fresh, wholesome fruit versus if you, you know, eat, you know, if you eat whole food plant-based, it still benefits type 1 diabetes, needing less insulin. But purely from type 2 diabetes standpoint and insulin resistance, you can help reverse insulin resistance and improve your diabetes with eating fruit. But the key is to eat whole, fresh fruit. And again, I cover in my in my system when to eat the fruit and in what form and in what combination. Absolutely. Thank you. Are, are you familiar with Robbie Barbero and Dr. Cyrus? Yes, yes. They're, they're type, well, yeah. yeah, well, they they eat like so much fruit. It's in they, you know, anyway, yeah, it's just it's it's interesting how people think fruit is what causes diabetes when it's really the fat that is the problem. Yes, you know, it's, the, it's a buildup of fat in your cells that are not designed to store fat. Yeah. Um, Linda would like to know how long have you been following a plant-based lifestyle? Uh, it's going to be close to a decade. Fantastic. Um, and it's nine years, uh, close to 10 now. Yeah. Right. Um, being being um, from, I'm guessing you're uh, from India originally, mm -hmm. are, are most people raised vegetarian in the first place? India is a, is a very diverse country and uh, filled with diverse cultures and traditions and food customs. The state that I come from, Gujarat, uh, is predominantly, again, has, you know, things have changed. But when I grew up, uh, it was predominantly vegetarian. But also, Gujaratis still have a lot of diabetes and heart disease because uh, the focus may still be vegetarian more so in Gujarat. But it's still, you know, processed foods or foods that have a lot of dairy uh, and refined foods in the day-to-day -day diet. So although it says as vegetarian way of eating, but there are things like too much processed foods and also lots of dairy. Uh, and I've grown up eating dairy, lots of dairy. I used to have three glasses of milk and a pound of yogurt every day. And I've done that. Wow, for that's a lot of dairy, huh? Yes. And I didn't realize how bad I felt or was having issues when I was consuming that. Uh, I only got to know how bad it was when I stopped having it. I lost 20 pounds by just stopping dairy in three weeks. Uh, my constipation resolved, which I had struggled for all my life at the, till that point. Uh, I was getting dry skin that would affect me every winter, like clockwork, it went away. No more dry skin. My hand stays like this, no matter if it's winter or summer without any moisturizer. And my energy level went up. Uh, it, it's, it's night and day, but... Yeah, there's a layer of cultural, you know, uh, conditioning and a layer of social, you know, psychosocial aspect. Uh, so you have to kind of break through that. Um, and there are enough resources and support systems now. So it's not like you're the only one trying to do it. Uh, in today's time, there are a lot more resources uh, to, you know, uh, 
focus on a predominantly or 100% whole food plant-based way of eating. Thank you. I think I heard you, I believe it was on a podcast with Dr. Lori Marvis, where I heard you tell your story. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was back yeah. in 2019, yes. Right, she's going to be on the show on Wednesday. Colleen, who's watching live, would like to know if medications like Janumet are effective in getting your A1C down, or does it just manage it, and what would happen if you stop taking it? So again, I'm not giving specific medical advice, but if I, you know, hypothetically talk about Janumet, it's a combination of two medications. It's Genuvia and Metformin. Uh, Metformin works by sensitizing your cell's response to insulin. So in, in a way, it's only one of the few true insulin sensitizers. Um, it also has a lot of anti-aging benefit that actually researchers are working on uh, uh, longevity research and they recommend metformin as a means of you know, preventing aging and things like that. But in terms of diabetes, it has a, a beneficial effect. And then Genuvia uh, works uh, by preventing the breakdown of one of the hormones in the, in the gut, uh, uh, which we call incretins. And that allows your body to improve your blood sugars uh, because, you know, it works with your liver. So you get two things together in Genumet. Now, if you just stop it like that and you're not making any lifestyle changes, then your sugars will go up, obviously. But if you're working on making uh, sustainable step-by-step -step lifestyle changes, you can see improvements where you can come to a point where uh, you can actually come off your uh, genumet and it may be you know you may have to wean off the dose based on where your sugars are or if the sugars are you know really good then you can also stop it altogether again depends on what dose you take and how you know where you are in the diabetes journey but stopping it cold turkey not a good idea but if you start working on the changes i will make this point clear which is also something that people don't recognize it doesn't take months and months to see improvements when you adopt you know, the system. It happens in a matter of days and weeks. You know, the improvement starts happening in a matter of days and weeks. So you, I always say this, if you do dabbling changes, you see dabbling results. If you go full steam in, then you see more substantial results. So you decide the pace of your change and make sure your expectations are matched up with that. If somebody uh, has excess body fat, doesn't that often help uh, with their reversal of diabetes if they were to lose weight? So losing weight uh, will help improve diabetes, but there are studies done, uh, multiple studies actually, uh, where, and one particular one, which was Anderson and, all, and his team uh, done at NIH back in 1979, I believe, if I, I'm remembering the year right where they had people uh, with type 2 diabetes on insulin for many years, and they put them, uh, a group of 20 patients, and they put them on whole food plant-based eating. Um, and within 16 days, uh, they were able to start lowering their insulin or completely come off insulin. And these was with the, the, the key thing that they actually did was they made sure they ate enough that they did not lose any weight. So in spite of no weight loss, because they were eating enough calories to not go for weight loss, but just changing the type of calories they were eating by eating whole food plant-based, they're able to start seeing sugars improve even before the weight loss happened. Because the goal was to look at only food change and effect on the sugars and not 
weight loss and effect on sugars. So there, that was already done. We have the answer from that study. So yes, weight loss will help, but you can actually get improvements even before you start seeing weight loss. If, if you're eating the right foods. With better okay. sleep and yeah, better fantastic. sleep management. Have you ever heard of Dr. Walter Kempner and the rice diet? Yes, yes. I, I don't have a slide here in this deck, but I use his slide all the time. Uh, that program ran for almost seven decades at Duke, at Duke University, and I think it stopped early 2000 uh, because uh, after Dr. Kempner died, he had, I think, a couple other physicians who continued the program. I think they retired or left the program at that point, and they, they closed it down. But just eating rice and fruits, uh, and, and this was back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and you didn't have all this, uh, you know, imaging techniques, but they saw people's heart on an x-ray going from being enlarged to getting to normal size. Uh, and eye changes on the retinopathy improving and EKG changes improving um, in a matter of, again, days and months. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And, and the doctors that worked with him, they have both been on the show. They're still alive. They're in their seventies uh, and eighties, and they've been on my show talking yeah. about their, their work. It's fascinating. Well, I believe the the program has stopped, right? It's the yes, the, it is no longer at, at Duke University. Yeah, and that's why when people say, "Oh, you can't eat carbs, you can't eat rice, you can't eat fruit," and I'm like, "Well, these people did, and they got really lean, and they reversed their diabetes." Yeah, the key is to understand how that fat, you know, fat is important. I'm not saying zero fat. You know, our body has, you know requirement for fat, for hormones, for cell wall, for different functions in the body. But the key is to get the right amount and not overdo that. And most of the times, you know, the way we eat, we are literally overdoing it by two, three, four times. Right. And we don't need to get the fat from oils. Yes. We can get them from whole nuts. Healthier sources of fat like nuts and seeds. Absolutely. Justine says, what are Dr. Patel's thought on organic stevia leaf extract? So um, uh, the, the uh, focus again is wholesome foods or wholesome processes. So stevia is a plant that has been found in South America to my understanding. I actually have that in a pot in my, in my little backyard uh, group of plants. Uh, it grows very well. It's an easy shrub, you know, herb to grow. Um, we just pluck a couple leaves from that and we put it in whatever we are cooking or eating and it gets the sweetness. Nice. Now the packet of processed stevia that you get, either a liquid or, or a you know, granulated packet has been processed. So the same thing like, you know, you, you take a, a date and eat that versus you have some refined form of sugar from sugarcane, which is great. You know, if you eat the actual sugarcane and chew it, you'll only eat a little bit because it's a very energy intense process versus you can easily get way higher number of calories by a spoonful of sugar made from the same sugar cane. So the more processed, the more likeliness to harm. Uh, now, so far what we know is, I think if you limit that to two packets per day, then it is okay. But again, I always say, focus on the whole form if you can. Right. And if not, then use the least amount. But I've maple heard, syrup or uh, date syrup would be better practical alternatives. Yeah. And I think they uh, taste low better. Glycemic, yes. I think they taste a lot better. I've heard some doctors on the show mention stevia is not so great for our gut, for our microbiome. Yeah. So again, in the process form, right? 
Right. In the process. Oh, the leaf is different. The actual leaf is different than the extract or the powder. Yeah. The leaf is, and most people aren't eating the leaf though. They're using yeah. the highly processed concentrated versions of it to sweeten things yeah. thousands of times sweeter than nature ever intended. Yep. It's, it's and the reason I have that shrub in my little backyard, uh, you know, plants is because I talk about this and a patient actually brought that to me as a gift. That's neat. This is a question submitted in advance from Lisa, and she would like to know about um, how, what you feel because she wears a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. And what is your opinion on how high is too high for her blood sugar glucose to spike after eating a meal between 30 minutes to one and a half hours? And should she be testing her post-meal glucose two or three hours after finishing a meal? So having a CGM actually allows her to be even, uh, you know, be able to watch, you know, I don't, I don't want people to obsess on just, you know, tracking their sugars, but allows her to actually see the full picture because you're not relying just on a finger stick every few hours or, you know, at a meal or after a meal to see where it is. You can actually see on your app or whatever your reader is for the CGM to see where your sugars are. So you can see a change every few minutes to track and see, you know, what foods causes what, but um, answering your question, um, sugars, depending on, again, what you eat, how much you eat, uh, they will go up to 140, 150, uh, 170 within the first hour to two hours after a meal. But by two hours, it should come back down below 140 in a normal situation. Now with diabetes, uh, you know, you may see a little, you know, fluctuation there. But again, the goal is to still have two hour postprandial sugar closer to 140. And before the meal, you want to start off with somewhere around 100, 110, below 120, you know, as your pre-meal sugar. But if you eat whole plant foods, you will actually see a difference. And let me exemplify that. Let's say you have a bowl of chopped mangoes. We're almost end of the mango season here, but I'll go with the mango example. And people think, oh, mango is very high in sugar, and oh, I'm not supposed to eat mango with diabetes. Well, if you eat chopped mango by itself without blending it or mixing it with anything else uh, and track your CGM, you will see your sugars will go up maybe 30, 40 points. And then within 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, it will, it will come back down again. The same amount of mango, if you blend it into a blender or turn it into a smoothie with some other fruits or juice or you know, take the fiber away, it's, that's even worse you will see 100 point increase or 150 point increase. And it will stay high for longer because you process the fiber. So the key is to limit the processing of the fiber, especially when you are eating fruits and you will see better sugars. You know, I don't know how people stick their finger all the time. I had to, I didn't have to, I chose to get a, a blood test that way. It hurts. I mean, it really hurts when you, you prick your finger. I, I am very sympathetic to patients because I've actually, to see what it feels, I've done that multiple times, you know, myself. And I wore a CGM myself to see how that feels. It's a night and day difference. But yes, there, there's, you know, if you stick on the side of the finger, uh, you know, a tip, it has less no endings than if you stick on the on the very top of the fingertip there. 
has more nerve endings. But again, irrespective, if you're having to stick yourself two, three, four times a day, oh, it is a very painful. It really thing. is. And I couldn't do it calluses, to myself. Yeah. They have, I've seen patients where they have calluses from years of sticking their finger. Right. Yeah. Let's reverse it instead of having to do that. I I, I, I couldn't prick myself. I had to ask somebody to do it. It was just like, just too, too difficult. Here, here's a question from Cheryl, because we, we didn't talk about salt or in general or how it affects diabetes. And she wanted to know, um, what do you think of using light salt, potassium-based salt rather than sodium chloride? And it's interesting because Dr. Walter Kempner, who reversed diabetes with the rice diet, it was no salt at all. And one of the doctors that worked with him that's been on the show, Dr. C.E. Grimm, who considers himself one of the world's leading experts in hypertension, has said many times where there is no salt, there is no high blood pressure. Where does where does salt come in with people that have diabetes? Um, my, uh, my understanding uh, from what I've gathered so far, so pure sodium chloride or the table salt is, is really bad. Um, but we do need minerals. And so, and also, you know, salt can add flavor to many things. So creating a balance, uh, if you go for sea salt, Celtic sea salt, because that's one of the only few places that still doesn't have a bunch of plastic lying in the ocean floor or sea floor, uh, because you see microplastics now in sea salts. So Celtic sea salt, uh, or there is a place here in, in uh, Colorado, uh, where they have also some uh, you know place where they're able to harvest uh, you know sea 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 level salt, which has not been you know um, polluted, uh, or a better option actually is uh, Himalayan salt, pink salt. So pink salt has eighty plus minerals in addition to sodium and chloride. It has magnesium and uh, you know potassium and all of other many other things. And so using a little bit of uh, pink salt towards the end of your cooking process, you will need very less amount and you will still get the flavor and you get those minerals. So that's the balance I try to strike is you, do, you don't want to overdo you know, the salt obviously, but you want to go for pink salt or Celtic sea salt and use it a small amount towards the end of the cooking so that you need less amount and still get the flavor and yeah, the minerals. If you use it right at the table, you probably would use less than if you cook with it at yeah. all, where it could dissipate. But, you know, some some foods uh, it may take longer <laughs> to dissolve, so that's why I said towards the end of the meal, if you if you need to, or you can sprinkle it at the table, but uh, you'll get more flavor and less amount that way. Yeah. Um, somebody submitted a question, but it's really quite long and comprehensive about Graves' disease and vitamin D, and I, it's just I think it'd be just take a really long time to read it. So, do you do consultations virtually? Um, because this is, this is so, uh, I do virtual lifestyle consultations, uh, not as a physician. I'm only licensed in Florida. I can see if they're in Florida, I can see them in my office. But if I'm doing a lifestyle consultation geared towards graves, then I can do that, um, hmm. you know, uh, through that. This, and, and this the email was, to reach out would be info at cfpen.org. I, I put that in the show notes. So this question, unfortunately, we're sorry, is just too long and comprehensive, but maybe you could just answer the part about it, what, what she could have done to, to increase her vitamin D levels other than she's taken vitamin D and tries to get in the sun because she lives in Canada. So vitamin D uh, has to combine with vitamin K, like I'd mentioned in the, in the presentation, because we need the vitamin D to absorb better and also not cause the buildup of calcium and 
you know, in the arteries or in the kidneys, and also push the calcium into the stone, uh, into the um, into the bones where we need it. But getting your vitamin D level above sixty. Um, the, now the lab reference we use here, I think the unit is nanogram per ml, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if the same, uh, you know, lab unit is used in Canada. Probably different. But in the U.S. unit uh, standard, it's between 60 to 90 is, is an optimal range. And I find many times many physicians are still uh, kind of not aware of the impact of vitamin D. So when someone's level is up, uh, they say, oh, stop taking vitamin D when the level starts hitting 60. But 60 to 90 is where your immune system actually feels more balanced. And we have two arms of our immune system, infection control and allergy response, autoimmune response, and we want both to be balanced. When vitamin D is below 30, your autoimmune response is up, your infection control is down. When your vitamin D level comes up above 60 uh, and stays there, it allows your immune system to dial down. Great, thanks. Uh, Kathy wrote in, can you comment on whether combining a higher plant-based fat, such as avocado or walnut with a starch, rather than combining it with something like non-starchy vegetables is likely to be problematic when healing insulin resistance. Yes. So I think I briefly mentioned uh, in the presentation that even plant-based fats, if they exceed the 15% of total calories, they can cause worsening insulin resistance. So if your goal is to reverse insulin resistance, um, and yes, you will get healthy fats, but you don't want to get all the healthy fats together and definitely not add, a, even if it's a healthy fat to a, to a starchy meal. So if you have a sweet potato or a banana and you combine that with avocado and you blend it up, you make it that much more potent for your body to you know uh, have insulin resistance. So if you... If when you have your healthy fats, uh, you should not mix it with, uh, you know, uh, starchy food. Then again, you're right. trying to limit that bit below fifteen percent of total. Right. Calories. Most of the doctors I've had on, even like Dr. Furman or Dr. Clapper, say you you use them like maybe on your salads, not not with your potatoes. Yes. Great. Let me just quickly check if there's and and the course starts when and and I, I know the discount that you're offering generously ends tonight at midnight and when exactly does the course? So the the first immersion five hour you know workshop mastermind is on July 29th from 9 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. You know that's the five hour time zone. I'm going to be doing it live, uh, and it's going to be a a, a small group. Uh, I'm you know, taking up to 15 participants. Uh, so we can keep it interactive and you know uh, focused. And so the the link you know on the screen there, uh, which was earlier, uh, is is you can sign up on that. But the 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 workshop is on 29th, and then the weekly calls will be uh, Fridays after that, six Fridays after that. I used Absolutely. to, and, and, and there's a video when you click on the and the link, there's a video about four minutes I describe about the workshop. And I say a two-day workshop there in the video, but I recently changed it where I went from a two-day to one-day workshop because people found it harder to carve out time on two different days, you know, over the weekend, it's better to have it all on one day. So it does make it a little more intense, but uh, the feedback I received was it's better to have one day than two days. Nice. And if people live in Florida, they could see you in person if they want. Yes. Yeah, I can see them in my clinic. 
Nice. And virtually also if they live anywhere, but not as a medical doctor, as a coach. Yes. Um, is a fa- it, Marley says, is a fasting insulin of 2.8 okay? 2.8 fasting insulin, uh, uh, so it's below five. That does sound optimal, but you always have to have to look at what's your concurrent glucose. So if your glucose is staying in the 70, 80 range at the same time, fasting glucose, and then the fasting insulin is 2.8, that's actually a very optimal level. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's always interesting to hear about this. And I, I, could, I don't know a lot of plant-based endocrinologists to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. We, there are not uh, many out there. It would um, be wonderful since I'm guessing that in general, one of the most common things an endocrinologist is treating is diabetes. But sadly, uh, there is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, fee, uh, industry inputs and uh, on the type of research and things that are, you know, uh, even in the research who funds the research. So, the guidelines you look at uh, always keep getting modified based on who is funding the research. So uh, it's still, there's a lot of push for keto and uh, you know not addressing the root cause, which again, sounds mind boggling to me because we as endocrinologists are focused on you know cellular processes and what is happening inside the cells and with the hormones. So we should be the ones uh, at the you know forefront of this, but uh, uh, it's a slow thank, process. Thank One you so time. much for thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. And I appreciate it and look forward to uh, having you on the show again sometime. And guys, check out the course. It sounds fantastic. It's going to be a small group. If you're struggling with type 2 diabetes, what do you have to lose other than your type 2 diabetes? And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back in about 45 minutes at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another fabulous show. We're going to be talking to Karen Gaylor, who actually had a stroke, lost 100 pounds, and regained her health on a plant-based diet. Take care. Have a great week.